Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College of Bogeek podcast, the internet's best resource for getting your hands on... What am I... <laughs> I don't even know. Something. I don't even know where my brain went there. Uh, we're, we're the internet's best resource for flubbing your intro, I guess. But uh, we're the internet's worst resource for having a 286... First, 281st intro joke that actually lands. We yep, don't have that. That's fair. We did not do that. You have to go to another podcast with 281 episodes. How many calendar days jokes. do you think that Jerry Seinfeld crossed off? Because you know the whole story about how he, he got good at jokes and comedy yeah. by just you know marking off every single day that he wrote a joke and he had the whole don't break the chain method. Do you think it was more than 281? Did I, I just fail the Seinfeld method? Honestly... I've heard some people say that on a quiet, dark night, you can still hear Jerry Seinfeld crossing <laughs> off his calendar. In your house. What am I hearing? <laughs> oh, can I point the mic at the table to get this, like, this fully? <laughs> Jerry? <laughs> Is that you, Jerry? I told you to stay out of my house. <laughs> it's okay, Martin. It's just a joke. <laughs> Can't you take a joke? <laughs> Horror movie starring Jerry Seinfeld. Okay, I'm. I will count that. I will count that as an intro joke. It's gonna be a great movie. Where was I going for Get Your Hands On? Oh, I said it in sponsor reads all the time. Like, get your hands on audiobooks. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, this episode is sponsored by Audible. Cool. What a cool winky dink. But uh, we don't do ads until the middle, so you're gonna have to wait for me to segue into an ad so smoothly that it's like butter. Sponsored by uh, Miss Buttersworth. Wait, that's a pan. That's a syrup. That's syrup. <laughs> Tom doesn't know what he's talking about today. <laughs> I shaved and I lost my superpowers, <laughs> yeah. which apparently were the ability to speak coherently <laughs> and come up with an idea. We don't for need a that podcast. For, a, for a podcast. We don't need to speak coherently. That's, that's true. We we certainly don't need to be able to speak with any kind of eloquence, diction, or have anything of substance to say. Yeah. This is a podcast. It's the internet. It's yet another drop into the endless sea of content. Yep. Will this be the drop that changes your life? Maybe. Maybe. Because today, we're talking about something that we have been doing for quite a long time. Yeah. Mm, I've been doing it for more than a decade. Actually, no. I've been doing it for precisely a decade. Is that specific to College Info Geek, or are you referencing the age working the with, too? Working with friends. Okay, yeah. I've been doing that for Entrepreneurial so projects, on art projects, on anything. Uh, we're going to talk about what you should know if you want to start a project or a business with a friend, or, this is also a pretty common thing, hire a friend. Yeah. Because, I mean, I kind of did that Yep, a couple times. Yep, Oops. it's a it's a thing that can happen, mm-hmm. and you know, also this a family, significant others, any anybody really. Mm-hmm. But I assume they're also your friends. So I don't know, still man. counts. I don't know. 
But it's is, dangerous. Is my girlfriend my friend? I don't know. Seems like they should have. Oh, like I want a, a girl enemy. Would, there we go. Yeah. I I need a girl enemy. I'm gonna look for one. You probably have one. I need to figure out You're on the who internet. it is, then, so that I can mark them as such on <laughs> Show Facebook. Show yourself. <laughs> I'm sure Facebook has a slot for it. Can I put that in my Twitter bio? Enemy <laughs> to this person. Yeah, arch arch enemy. Tag them. Uh, but am I, but am a lot I of your enemy just because I'm not a minimalist? Like the anti-minimalist. Maybe. Except you said you like the set. Yeah, so apparently cool. I'm not. It's like a taste. You're like a tasteful non-minimalist. It's yeah. Not, this isn't like a hoarder set, which would upset me greatly. I do like some amount of order to everything. It's yeah. just in terms of things, I like to have a lot of them because I like to do a lot of things. So I'm not a great minimalist in that regard. Anyway, um, I want to talk about this because my first experience working with a friend went horribly. Oh, and this reminds me, they also tell you in like those college advice books for, you know, going to college that yeah. you should not room with your friends. Yeah, also a risk. Um, that was also correct, <laughs> at least in my case. But then, so I don't know how to think about this because I went to college with a friend and was roommates with him and that did not work out. We had differing philosophies on cleanliness. I'll put it that way. Uh, but then, you know, I ended up rooming with friends after that, and that worked pretty okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess it's like, when you're friends with somebody, usually you're friends in a context where you only see each other for a limited amount of time, and then you go to your respective homes. So, you're, you've built a friendship on that, and then when you decide to live together, there's like a whole lot of tests and tribulations for your friendship. Yeah, it's like being friends does not mean you're automatically compatible to live together, but mm -hmm. sometimes it works. Yeah. But it, it's so a I guess risk, like, though. The, the advice to not live with your friends doesn't mean that you will not be able to live with your friends guaranteed, but it does mean that it's likely that your friendship could be damaged. Yeah. So that makes sense. And that is exactly what can happen when you just, when you decide to work with friends. And that could be even that could even be even more damaging because mixing business and or money of any kind with mm -hmm. friends, family, or loved ones can get yeah, or like real it's the same thing with uh, lending family money or friends money. Like, I think I think my dad told me this. He's like, if you're gonna lend a friend money, you need to assume that money's gone. Yeah, you know, because not everyone not everyone operates by the same set of principles. And you know, I don't know about everyone, but I grew up with. The principle instilled in me that if you're going to borrow money from somebody, it should be your number one priority to pay it back. Uh, but not everyone operates that way, and that can cause a lot of emotional tension. Yeah. So, I don't know. Let's talk about working with friends, though, because we've done it several times. Yep. In different contexts. Several times in different contexts. This is very true. And I, I think we've kind of figured out. I don't. I don't know if we figured out how to do it. Like I don't. I don't know if I'd be comfortable putting out a book with like my smiling face on the cover, like Doctor Oz, with a chin pose yeah. it's like how to work with friends guarantee 10 steps published by harper collins but we should certainly be aware of many of the specific risks yeah. involved and probably have answers as to how we are not succumbing to those risks at yeah. this very moment yes we've learned a thing or two so let's start with our initial failures because i know you had one 
Yeah. And I know I had one too. I've had some times that didn't go very well. Do you want to go first? Well, and this isn't nearly as bad as it could have gone. Like, it was a pretty positive experience overall. But I will say there was a time where um, I was working with a friend uh, in a couple contexts, actually. And a great, great friend and everything. But we had a regular job together. We tried to start this organization thing together. Both were cool. Both had the reasonable amount of success I wanted. But where we had different... Um, like philosophies for the business spending. Mm-hmm. And also, a lot of our specific interests and talents lined up too much. So we both so kind of wanted thing? to do the same things. Mm. So I think the biggest thing there is that control did not get to be divided in a very um, like favorable way. Yeah. And... So I, I just kind of disconnected from some of the parts that I otherwise would have worked on because I was just like, well, you want to work on them, so you do that. But it, it wasn't as smooth as like this is because we've largely – like I do a bunch of stuff you don't even touch for yeah. the most part. It doesn't just doesn't happen. Nor do I want to. But we were young. We did not really know how to do this. And there were some times where we were fairly annoyed with each other either for <laughs> – Either for something that we were like relying on the other for to do and then it didn't happen or we would bring like some stupid little petty argument from just the friendship world or or from our regular job, mm. you know, just like, oh, right, because you, you didn't worked, do you, you didn't do that at the same job. It, too, if one of us you? didn't do something for the regular job, the other would have to probably pick up that slack. And just, Why didn't you do that? Yeah. But if we brought in a little petty argument or something to the to the business, it, it was no good. Mm-hmm. And that stuff, the problem was we we hung out together, we worked together, we had side projects. So there was no escaping it. We didn't so have... You, you were basically like a married couple. Basically. <laughs> and what is the stereotype of a married couple on TV? It's that they argue about a bunch mm-hmm. of things, but we could never get out of it. We could yeah. never escape. Because if you go to your part-time job, there he is. Yeah. So go to if, school, there he is. Friend group, there he is. Yeah. And it's not like we were going to stop hanging out. But yeah. it's like... um. Just little stupid things like that, especially when you're young and bad at emotional management. But if you don't know how to keep the lines intact, you you risk kind of ruining everything all at once. Now, we didn't mm-hmm. ruin everything all at once. And eventually we just decided, oh, this we're done. I went off to other college, yeah. stopped being a big part of the, the side project, and we sort of dissolved it eventually. And we're still good friends. Everything's fine. But I can't say that it was always super easy. So I know you guys are good friends now. What did it do in the moment? Like, was there ever a time when you guys weren't friends or it was, like, really rocky because of it? Uh, I don't know if if I would say we were ever not completely friends. Mm -hmm. But along with a couple of other people, actually, there were times, I feel like, just high school and early college were just, I don't know how to be an emotional human. So there were a few times where it was like we wouldn't hang out for a while or we were just like kind of subtly bitter yeah. at the other person. Just like, I remember what you did or I don't like this and it got all confusing. But I also personally don't know if I would ever say we weren't friends because I don't think I could say that about anyone. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of infinitely forgiving which can be a problem, actually, in these situations if I forgive too much in a business sense. Yeah. It could it could mess things up. But I 
don't think I will ever call any of my previous friends not my friend in some way, mm. or at least acquaintance. I've never, I've never made a straight up, we can't talk anymore kind of yeah. person happen. That's fair. Mine was, uh, actually, I think I was 17 when this happened. Uh, I had a friend in math class, and we learned that uh, we both knew HTML. So, like, like they say in that Weird Al song, we made a business doing websites. <laughs> we were just like, hey, you know HTML, I know HTML. What if we started building websites? And we went, I think we went our entire senior year just sitting on this idea. I took a web dev class and I used the final project for that class as an excuse to build the first version of my website, or I guess our website for our company, which was terrible, by the way. You've seen it. Yep. It's real bad. Let me tell you, when a 17-year-old high school kid gets his hand uh, his hands on um, Macromedia Fireworks, which is basically like Photoshop for the people today who don't know what Fireworks was, and learns that there is a glow function for every layer and you can make it whatever color you want, chaos is going to ensue. <laughs> Everything is glowing. I was so proud it's because every layer had a drop shadow or a glow of some kind. And I'm like, this is such a complicated design. How cool is that? How could it Turns not out, be good? Yeah. It's like uh, it's like jam bands, you know? A lot of that music is more fun to play than it is to listen to. Yeah, like, it's like, musicians is, are having a great time This has got up there, a little but... bit of literally everything. How could it not be the best? <laughs> what am I listening to right now? This is like free forum fusion jazz metalcore with some like bossa nova hip hop on the side. Is that a pig on the stage? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's screaming. And, yeah, it is. Oh, it's oh, it's pig squeal music. I it's see. got a mic. Job for a cowboy. It's got its own gotcha. mic. I never realized that the singer for Job for a Cowboy was an actual pig. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way. Um, so we, we get done with high school and we're like, dude, let's do this. Let's like actually make a business out of it. And we actually did. We uh, went to the county clerk and we got like a fictitious, a fictitious name for the business set up. And uh, this is this was my first mistake. We made it a partnership. Like in terms of the official business like we drew it up as a partnership and we made it 50-50. This is not a good idea. Yeah. I think. I would say that that is part of the problem from my initial experience too. Mm -hmm. It's like there's no clear hierarchy if opinions yes. differ. There's nowhere where the buck stops. If if you have 50% and someone else has 50% and you are butting heads and you need to make a decision to go forward, then... You're going to have to hope somebody gives ground. Yeah, like where, otherwise where the entire thing there? is going to just fall apart, which it did. But uh, initially it wor worked well. Um, I felt that the best way to get clients would be to just go to the community college, ask for like if they had a like a job board of sorts and they had a binder full of job postings. So I just flipped through and I found a couple of people looking for websites, called one of them up and I was like, "Hey, we haven't built a website for a client before, but we'll give you a big discount for being our first client. And weirdly, they took us on. Nice. <laughs> Risk takers. Uh, so, yeah, I think we, we, we drew up a contract, and I at least did this correctly. We drew up a contract because in high school, I convinced my business teacher to buy an entrepreneurship textbook, special order, so I could read it. And she did, which is great. Thank you, Mrs. Henshaw. 
And nice. uh, it was the, the biggest thing in there was like, yeah, you need to have a contract if you're going to work with clients, you know, that way they can't say, oh, we didn't agree on what to pay or, you know, there's any number of things that can go wrong. So biggest tip, if you're going to go into business or be a freelancer, have a contract. Um, you don't necessarily need a lawyer to draft one for you. You can, but when I was young and scrappy, the thought of paying a lawyer 300 bucks to draft me a boilerplate contract was like out of the question. I didn't have $300. So I just found one online and wrote up something very similar in Microsoft Word and hoped it was good. There probably were missing sections, but luckily nothing went wrong. Uh, so we had that. I think we charged them $300. And for that $300, we ended up having to like drive to their office five or six times for long meetings where <laughs> we'd sit in the boardroom and the CEO of the company would go like line by line over the website and be like, do you think the word excellent should be changed to exemplary? It was, it was like super, super duper detailed. Uh, wow. But hey, we had a client and we ended up getting a few more clients. Like one of my teachers had a condo in California that he was renting out every year and he wanted us to build a website for it. Um, and that worked pretty well. But I started to learn that my drive to work was a little bit higher than the other person's. And that led to some some headbutting where I'm like, hey, we have to get this project done. So we should probably work on it. And it ended up being me working on it for the most part, <laughs> but then splitting the money 50-50. Yeah. Which I wasn't a big fan. That's of. not going to end well. <laughs> so eventually I just dissolved the partnership and split the assets 50-50. And we ended up going, well, we ended up still being friends for a while, but uh, we didn't work together after that. So the lesson I learned from that is just because somebody else has a similar skill set or something that's complementary to you doesn't mean that they have the same work ethic, the same plans for how they want to do things. It doesn't mean you're compatible. So it doesn't mean that you shouldn't work together, but it does mean that you need a set of expectations up front. You need to communicate really well, and you need to have somebody who is kind of the ultimate arbiter and decision maker. Yeah, and, and at least for like, each section you know because mm -hmm. even if it's just each specific responsibility if it's 50 50 who's who's specifically responsible for that yeah is it this one no they thought the other one was doing it mm -hmm. that's that's dumb yeah so to contrast that my friend matt has actually worked in several partnerships and i think he has also come to the conclusion that he will never do a straight-up partnership again but he did one with this other guy who had a really smart idea uh, he said, all right, if we're going to do a partnership, we need to get up front a contract and sign it that states what each of us is going to put in in terms of effort and also what, you know, how we're going to divide the uh, the assets and the decision-making power. So up front, they were like, I'm committing to doing this. And if I'm not doing it and we're going to check every once in a while and do like reporting and auditing on it, then I'm like in, basically in breach of the agreement and we will either terminate it or we can renegotiate it but i kind of like that because it's very easy to get excited and be like you know css i know html oh my gosh let's make some websites together and like just say like cool 50 50 let's do it everything's gonna be great and then you know six months down the line it's not working yeah and then of course when you're friends you've now created a situation where there's like money on the line and there's tensions and that can seep into your friendship which is difficult. So, so how have we made it work? 
<laughs> we haven't. We hate We're each actually other. at each other. It's we like hate uh, each other now. What's I feel like there's a movie where there's like two people who are they work together and then the moment they get done they hate each other. I don't know that. Oh, but I don't watch a lot of. Oh, movies. it's Chicago. Yep, don't know that. That's yeah. a city, as far as <laughs> I'm aware. It, it is a city. Turns out, in Illinois. But yeah, there's uh, there yeah, there's a duo in that movie who do not like each other in real life, but they're smiling and dancing on stage together because <laughs> a two-person act is more popular right now than a solo act. Um. So I guess the way that the way that we ended up working together is very different, and I think it sidestepped the potential for there to be like the headbutting because it wasn't like, hey, I want to start something with you. It was more like, hey, I already have this thing. Do you yeah. want to help with it? So there was already like an implicit uh, decision maker because yeah, you were you my were client kind of essentially. Yes, like because I rebuilt the website way before. I had ever been working with you full time. So mm-hmm. it was just, it was also a much lower risk. It's like, if, if this sucks, we just won't do it again. Yeah. After this, it's a short term project. Yes. Okay. So that was another thing. I forgot about this. When we started, it was agreed that it was a three month project. And I guess there weren't really hard deliverables because it was a weird situation where it was like, this is kind of my way of making it so you can just heal your arms. And not have to drive oh, to well, work I meant every in college, day. But yeah, then we did. The oh, you mean the, oh, the website project. Yeah, so that, that the website yeah, project. Yeah, we did was, two temporary trials, sort of things. Yeah, you're right. Okay, boy, that's a good point. We did this for so long. Okay, so the website project that was in college, and I basically just paid you what it took to quit your job for the rest of the semester. Yeah, we just swapped out my job with building a website, which is what I wanted, mm. and that worked really well because that was a pure freelancer client relationship. Yeah, and it, it was very clear friendship or not that. Even if I'm like, I don't really like it that way. If you want it that way, and I've already had said, hey, have you considered this? And you're like, I have considered it, or at least now I have. No, I still like it the other way. Well, mm-hmm. then we know. It's it's what you said. Yeah. It's very clear. Um, and I think something else that happened there, or I guess that, that helped with that situation is, I don't want to say that neither of us have a big ego, because... Like, if I'm self-critical, I think that I do have a pretty big one. But, and I don't know if you would say the same thing about yourself, but I think that we both have the ability to let that go when we need to. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to just set something aside and say, this isn't my this mm-hmm. isn't my fight. But you've also brought up things where I'm like, oh, I really want to do it this way. I think it's really elegant. And you'll be like, well, should you actually be focusing on that right now? Does that matter? Well, that that's an, like that's an extra you know important what? piece, though. You're right. <laughs> I try very hard. This this applies the whole time not to be a yes man, mm-hmm. which is a damaging way that friends can work together because yeah. then you'd never get any input to change your mind. Yeah, on something important. So I think it is important for everyone to have a voice, and even if even if you're the person who is the de facto decision maker or the leader, you kind of have to not let that go to your head. And yeah. you have to realize that everyone else has valid points. You've never straight up ignored what I had to say. You might tell me, actually, here's this. And I'll be like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm wrong. Yeah. That's fine. But we're both okay with being wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that worked well. And then the second time, it was a very different situation where I don't, I don't know if it was the 
that like little car accident you got into or just like the really bad desks i think it was a combination of like too many things that all happened at the same time yeah my posture was literally like i looked like a hunchback at work for like six hours didn't notice it yeah that's that's not good (laughs) had my elbows on the sharp corners of the desk sometimes because the height was off Mm mm-hmm had a little bit of whiplash for a couple days that probably exacerbated it and hadn't been sleeping nearly enough for about six months because Ashley worked nights and I stayed up because it was winter and I wanted to make sure she got back through the snow okay. Yeah. So I was sleeping like less than five hours for six months straight, having the worst posture ever, overworking myself to prove myself at the job, and then got hit by a car. It was a very minor hit, but it's not, hit it's not a good, not a good so. mixture. Mm-hmm. And that was a weird decision process because... It wasn't like, oh, I have a thing I need, so I'm going to hire you again. Yeah. It was more like I could put the extra money I'm making every month, which at the time wasn't a ton, but I like I could put that in my savings or my investment accounts. But if I take three months off of saving for investments, I'm not going to die. It's know? not going to be super noticeable. Yeah. Well, and I didn't need much. I specifically was like, okay, I've got all these savings. I'll run those into the ground. How much do I need to survive? I think it was for three 1500 months. $1,500 a month we did. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like we're doing 1500 a month for three months. It's just here's my bills. And the deal was essentially after three months, this will end unless for some reason we found that it works to work together. Yeah, like – Basically, my job was come up with ways to be useful. <laughs> without damaging your arms. Yeah, without without leaning on my number one profitable skill, web development yeah. at the time, which was very difficult, which is why now I wear like six different hats Yep. <laughs> because I had to swap out my main skill for several others for a while. Yeah, that's true. You started as web developer and now podcaster, researcher, and scriptwriter. Yeah. Um. I do a bunch of pseudo uh, manager server admins at server and various admin administrative things. Yeah, because boy, I don't I don't want to manage people. <laughs> yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff that I do now because mm-hmm. I was just supposed to find ways to be useful, and that's still how I treat it. Like if I have spare time, I just be like, "What's useful? I, I could do that." And if I couldn't do that, I'm honest with myself about it, yeah. which is also important here. I'm not trying to sell you something that I can't actually deliver on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the way, the reason this works, at the time I was like, this is a gamble, but it's a gamble that I think is going to be fine because I knew you well enough to know that you're not the kind of person who would ever take advantage of generosity. And you're the kind of person who really wants to prove yourself yeah. and make a contribution. I'm very sometimes harsh against myself. Yeah. But I could never let this feel to me like it was nepotism, which is a problem that you would get if you were doing this in another like another office. You get a friend mm-hmm. hired on and they suck at their job or you hire a friend. I try to make sure that because you've put the trust in me to hire a friend, which is very dangerous, and especially after the previous time, I know you're protective of your business. Yeah. So I'm just always thinking I need to make sure he never feels weird about that decision mm-hmm. by never being like – deceitful or disappointing in the sense that i'm just i'm just messing around like i'm i'm supposed to do a job so i treat it like a job yeah and that's definitely a challenge because i mean at this point i would say that nearly everyone i work with is a friend yeah especially since all but one person on the team are now in denver 
and we all hang out and it's like like a big family almost yeah you know it, it brings up some tough uh I, I guess potentially tough situations sometimes because yeah it's like well i like you as a person so i don't want to have to have a tough conversation about performance or things like that yeah we all have to have a similar work ethic mm -hmm. in order for it to work yeah do you feel like i've been as communicative as i should be i sometimes i'm kind of just kind of floating around but because my original idea was come up with stuff to be useful i just fill it with other stuff mm -hmm. because the thing is i also don't want to be the kind of person and this works for every job that constantly goes to you to be like what should i do next what should i do next oh yeah here's the thing i was doing do you like it do you like this i made a tiny update do you like that i changed the css value by two pixels is this approved <laughs> I can't publish it until, you, like, there are some things I'll just do and leave you alone. You're busy. That's the yeah. point. My job is to make it so that you don't have to do more work. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I should be paying you to do more work. It doesn't make any sense. That was actually part of the reason why I got fired from a job in high school. Yeah. Because I would, well, part of it is I would keep coming to the business owner asking for clarification or being like, I don't know how to do this. Or I was too afraid to try things on my own. Cause I was like so afraid of screwing things up that I was just constantly going to her asking like, how do you do this again? You know, when yeah. I could have just sat there puzzling it out. Yeah. So. I didn't get fired for that, but I did get, I did get reprimanded for it once. And it was, yeah, you know, I was just looking for, am I doing this right? I need validation that I'm not ruining everything. Give me yeah. your validation. It's just like, I'm not paying you for me to validate you. Mm -hmm. Do the work now. Yeah. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Audible, which is the best place on the internet to get your hands on audiobooks. And if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you will know that I, in particular, am a big fan of audiobooks. I love going for long bike rides and listening to audiobooks. I love doing them or listening to them while I'm doing the dishes, doing like stuff around the house, cleaning up the house, which I actually have to do later today. I'm not looking forward to it, but I do have an audiobook I'm listening to. So, well, there you it go. It might be at least somewhat tolerable. But Audible is the best place on the internet to get audiobooks because they have the largest library that you are going to find. They have an absolutely unmatched selection with all the bestsellers, lots of really obscure stuff that you probably wouldn't expect to be on there, but they do have it, including like 17 different versions of Sherlock Holmes. I don't know if it's 17, but it's a, it's a lot of versions. Many, many a narrator has taken on Sherlock Holmes, and some of them are fantastic. Uh, they also have our recommendations for this week, and I want to let you go first with your recommendation. All right, my mine's first, a weird one. Well, it's, of course, it's a weird one, Tom. <laughs> my recommendation is a fiction book, and it is Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. Mm. It is basically about a girl who solves a mystery sort of thing while at the same time struggling and coping with the thought spirals that come with obsessive-compulsive disorder. Uh, being a person who also struggles with OCD, this book was very powerful and it it allows things that are very hard to be worded about how, how OCD works and just sort of struggling with mental illness and things in general. And somehow John Green finds words that work. So I think it's a really good way to build either an understanding of yourself or understanding and empathy for other people. And mm. it's just a good book all around. I guess we, we both kind of picked titles that were a little life-changing then. 
so the one that I picked this week is Rationality from AI to Zombies by Eliezer Yudkowsky. Mm-hmm. And Eliezer Yudkowsky is the guy who wrote uh, a fan fiction <laughs> that I read earlier in life that kind of changed my outlook on how human decision-making works, how we should process emotions. It really shifted the way that I think, the way that I behave, and it made a very big change in my life uh, from a philosophical point of view. It led me to exploring a lot of different topics that I hadn't explored before. It was a big deal. And uh, for many, many years, he was also writing longer form, you know, they're not fan fiction. There's articles about all these topics in human rationality. Uh, He talks about like heuristics, biases, uh, you know, logical fallacies. Um, One of the articles that really stuck with me was the idea of like belief as a tire, like sticking with a belief just because Mm. you identify with the labels associated with that belief. And you're maybe in a social circle of people who all believe the same thing and you don't want to let that go. And, you know, realizing that that, that's your justification for that belief, which doesn't actually hold water. Uh, So rationality from AI to zombies is a very long awaited for compilation of many of these articles that he wrote over the years and they are narrated. Um, And I personally love the narrations because I don't always have time to sit down and puzzle through these long articles, but sometimes again, I could go for a long bike ride and listen to them. And the best part is if you want to get a free audiobook download, either rationality from AI to zombies or turtles all the way down, which is probably a shorter listen, Probably, I imagine. <laughs> I imagine so. You can actually get a free audiobook download along with two free Audible originals that you cannot get anywhere else and a 30-day free trial of Audible by going to audible.com slash CIG or by texting CIG to 500-500 on your phone. That is A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash CIG. And then once you have gone through that trial and you become a member, every single month you're gonna get one new credit, which is good for any audiobook title in their library, along with two new Audible originals every single month that, again, you can't get anywhere else and access to tons of audio workout, fitness, and meditation programs. So once again, audible.com slash CIG or text CIG to 500-500 on your phone to get that 30-day free trial, two free Audible originals, and a free audiobook download of your choosing and big thanks to audible for sponsoring this episode and being a supporter of our show second thanks goes out to our other sponsor this week which is skillshare and as you probably know if you've listened to this show at any length skillshare is an awesome online library full of tons of different classes thousands of them in fact that can boost your skills in a myriad different areas they have graphic design courses photography courses video uh, editing and animation courses my friend ali abdal and if you don't follow Ali Abdal, you probably should because he has a lot of really great content on productivity. He has a brand new Final Cut Pro course over on Skillshare that is like three and a half hours long. It's very, very in-depth. There's just tons of stuff you can use to boost your skill set on Skillshare, including the course that I want to recommend this week. Particularly, I want to recommend it to you, actually. Yep. Uh, So there's a course called Portrait Photography, Working with Natural Light by Benjamin Heath, who is a photographer that has I think like 700,000 followers on Instagram. That's more than me. And I, I checked out his work. It's actually excellent. And he really does know how to use natural light quite well. So if you're a person who's into photography, like kind of me, though I'm more of a videographer, but definitely you, because you like doing photography and you want to learn how to take portraits, which can be one of the more profitable areas of photography. If you want to yeah. make it into like a freelance business, then this course would be a great one 
to take. Additionally, when you get on Skillshare, you will also find a course from me called Productivity Masterclass, Building a Custom System that works. And that class will teach you how to synergize, to use a business buzzword, uh, your to-do list, your note-taking system, your calendar, and all the different pieces of your productivity system, and make sure they all kind of work in tandem and don't get too out of sync and too messy. So if you want to get a two-month free trial of Skillshare with unlimited access to the entire platform, go over to Skillshare.com geek and sign up. Once again, that is Skillshare.com geek to get a two-month free trial of unlimited learning. And after that, Skillshare is incredibly affordable starting at just 10 bucks a month. So it's definitely a good tool to have in your productivity tool belt. Thanks again to Skillshare for sponsoring this episode and supporting our show. And let's get back into it. So a few other things that I've had to make sure are set and aligned properly in my own head are, I guess, like thinking about how the the value of the business that is generated is distributed because in a yeah. purely capitalistic sense, and we're going to get into some, into some uh, philosophy here. Tear like down in, the system. In a purely capitalistic sense, like the person whose name is on like the, the door, like the person who owns the asset gets to reap all the benefit from it. Yeah. But that just, I don't know exactly how to feel about that. Because like if we make an agreement, like, all right, I'm going to pay you X dollars per month to do X work. That that's fair, right? Yeah, if and both like, parties agree, it's perfectly reasonable. Both parties agree in, in a business sense. But on the other hand, it's like, well, you've helped me build this machine, but because I own it, I get to reap the continuing benefits of it forever as long as it's Yeah, it's like a up. solid investment, especially yeah. because your face is very important for YouTube. It's like you. But even you if know, I wasn't so, so like, any underlying contributions to the business benefit yeah. your brand forever. I mean, um, even if I wasn't, like, even if we were running an anonymous affiliate website, you know, and, like, say I hired you to, you know, make it faster oh, yeah. or something. That's true. But if it's making, you know, 10 grand a month off of affiliate links and it just keeps doing that, like, it's, oh, I get to just collect that. That's great. Uh, all the future value isn't distributed equally. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't want to be unfair to the capitalistic mindset here because in exchange for for reaping the benefits of an ongoing machine... I also assume all the risks like I yeah. could pay you your fair rate and it could just not work because of some other factor beyond my control or because I didn't do it correctly or did it, do it well enough uh, for my part and I could lose money. So, you know, I do expose myself to the risk, but I, this is something that I've had to come to terms with, like working with friends or hiring people and becoming friends with them. It's like, is it right for me as the person who just has ownership, quote unquote, whatever that means, to be the sole benefactor of all this continuing value generation forever. Yeah, I, th I think you've done a very good job specifically of trying to make it so that everybody is fairly paid in a way that it feels like our time is valued similarly. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the same thing that I was doing with Ashley for rent splitting. We, mm -hmm. we did the calculations. Looks like I make... 60, 65% of the household income. I don't know what the real numbers were and you make this other number. So we'll split the rent by that number because I think your hours working are the same value as my hours working. And just because I yeah. happen to make more because of capitalism and computers being valuable doesn't mean that I can just not value that you're out there working just as many hours. Yeah. 
and I guess like this, this is a messy situation where like love or mutual admiration becomes a factor yeah. because you probably wouldn't do the same thing with a random roommate. I like, probably wouldn't unless we had specifically agreed to that. Like they were going to try a new thing. I'm I'm pretty understanding, but, I think, I think but it would have, have to be, be very agreed to. You'd have to I'd be have friends to, with them. I'd have to be friends know? with them for a long time. I'd have to understand that. For a random yeah. roommate, if I don't even like trust you yet or know you, why should I make that sacrifice that is a very friendshipy sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I guess that's like that's the kind of the crux of what I'm trying to get at right now is like when you work with friends, the same calculations you make as somebody who's just hiring professionals that you don't have anything more than a working relationship with, I think those change. Yeah, well, you're invested in, I mean, when you took on the gamble, when my arms weren't working and I couldn't program, you were specifically hiring me temporarily to see if something worked. That's a gamble that would be weird to make with somebody else. Yeah. Just, hey, could you pay me? I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> but you had an extra personal investment in that if my arms are disabled for the rest of my life, well, I mean, you can't really hang out with me when I become destitute because my main job is computers and I can't do it anymore. Yeah. So it's no good. Yeah, I guess I just, I, I wasn't okay with that happening. And I, I think we had like tried to think of other solutions and we just couldn't because of student loans and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it was so hard because... You know, the money that you make doing a thing that hurts you is needed to pay for the health care to help you from the hurt you're getting from the thing you're doing to make the money. That too. It's like an American health care trap. Yeah, very much is. So, yeah, maybe maybe that's what it is. Like, to get further into the philosophy, like, you know, our government has not chosen to create a a sufficient enough safety net. So sometimes, you know, you have to step up. Yeah, and who are you going to give a safety your life. net to? You're probably the people you know first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not even like a selfish thing. I want to help my family with stuff, and I will probably help them always first before helping some random family in a similar situation. It's just like, yeah, that's how communities work. It's how humans are. Yeah, you just you have bonds. And I, I want to help everybody, people. but like, I got to put my mom at the top of the list for a mansion. Mm-hmm. She's needed one for a while now. Yeah, and I think everyone is that way. You know, even like the most diehard utilitarian. Yeah, even if person. you're like trying, you're yelling about it out loud. You're like, it's not fair, so I don't believe it. There's got to be some level of instinct mm-hmm. that's still like, but the community around me is the one I can affect the greatest. Yeah, and I knew that it was the case for me. Remember, we had those arguments with our friend about what we'd do if we won the lottery. <laughs> those are some good arguments that, so, that happened a lot. My argument, he would always ask me, you know, Tom, what would you do if you won the lottery? And for me, I'm like, well, number one, I really don't like the lottery because even though state lotteries often say they use the the uh, funds they get from people buying lottery tickets to fund a lot of programs, like, yeah, but it also contributes to addiction and the advertising for lottery typically targets lower income people and breeds yeah. false hope. And there's all these issues that I really don't like. But the fundamental thing for me is if I were to win it, I would be given money that I did not earn I did nothing to earn it. So it like doesn't even really have any personal value yes. to you. It, so what I would do if I was to win the lottery would be to um, spend some time finding a person who would be able to make the most calculated and, and I guess like best decision for a philanthropic purpose. And then 
I would let them give it all away. Yeah. You know, or maybe I would give it all to team trees now or something. I think trees are pretty, a good thing to plant trees. Uh, or, you know, if you look at the philanthropy, I forget the, the site. It's like, is it charity watch? I think, Um, I think they put against malaria at the top as the most effective charity. But then again, there's also like the knock on effects where if you say, all right, this is the number one ranked charity and everyone's like, well, I want to give you the most effective one, then do other charities ever get a chance to improve? Yeah, they can't be effective the if they can't higher... get past overhead costs. <laughs> exactly, right? So I don't know. There's so many questions. I'm like Cheaty a little bit. Uh, You're I, more like I, Cheaty. I but... feel too much like Cheaty. That show <laughs> speaks to me and in all the good and also all the bad parts. <laughs> Just... mm-hmm. But anyway, um, uh, yeah. So that was my my position, and our friend hates my position on that. He's just like, you wouldn't use it for yourself at all. But <laughs> when I ask myself, honestly, I'm like, okay, here's a scenario. My mom's in the hospital. There's no question. I would take some of that money for myself and pay for her hospital bills. Now, I wouldn't take a dime of that money to buy something fun for myself. You wouldn't be like, I wish my TV was two inches wider. Yep, wouldn't do that. I would go work for that money. But if somebody in my immediate family or a good friend of mine was in like medical trouble, then I would use lottery winnings to help them. And there's like, I've asked myself many questions along these lines. Like, would I use my lottery winnings to pay off my friend's student loans? I don't think so. Even though I, I don't really like that the student loan crisis and everything. It's like, yeah. again, it's my, my core philosophy is I didn't earn that money. I should have never gotten it in the first place. So let's put it to the best use as possible. But there's like, there are certain things where my love for people in my life would override that main yeah. philosophy. Well, and, and student loans are different than like an illness or yeah. something. You know, student loans, they're not necessarily fair, and I don't necessarily like how they have become, but you did sign up for them, whereas a long-term illness is just random. Yes. It has nothing to do with anyone's choices. Well, maybe if you did eat nothing but Doritos and Mountain Dew, then it's probably your fault, but... <laughs> That that'll make you sign a contract. Like, all right, I'll pay for your yeah. You're gonna your stop that though. Bypass, but you're gonna eat. <laughs> you're some done broccoli. with this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna teach you how to fry fry cauliflower so that it Ooh. so that it's delightful. Not necessarily fry it, but you know, make it delightful. You want to go to the vegan restaurant tonight? I do because let's do it. It's the best. I think we actually should. But yeah, we we definitely got into arguments about those. I think I'd take a slice for a family safety net, and then I. Get rid of the rest. I don't need it. But I actually that that might that's just, fair. Here's a slice. It's not for me. It's for like if you know if my family members get cancer or something. It's just I'm gonna hold it there, and one day like put it into gonna, a trust. Somebody's gonna need it. Yeah, it's like yeah. A it's not just sitting in my bank account and a savings. Like oh look at that money. And I guess if I think about that's it, like interesting. The, the best thing to do with that money would probably be to put it in a trust. And then to make calculated investments over time or let the interest be what goes to philanthropic. Because yeah. I know the, um, you know, if you like look into the economics of Norway, they're like super oil rich. But what they did with all the money from the oil is they put it into this gigantic trust. And over a very, very long period of time, they use the interest from investments in that trust to pay for social programs and things like that. Yeah. So which, maybe that's which is pretty nice. So yeah, because then it just keeps happening. But either way, it's like a philosophical divide. Either you use it for a purely utilitarian purpose to, you know, help the human race in general, or you use it for your own emotional desires, you know, yeah, which you get like a Scrooge money pit and then you dive right in. You're going to get injured. That's that why way. you need the money for the hospital bills <laughs> afterward. <laughs> I, I broke my neck diving into my pit full of gold coins. Why did I do that? Well, luckily, there's the gold coins to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. But I think the entire point that I'm driving at is I feel like, you know, when you're working with friends, these kind of philosophical decisions come into play. Yeah. Because it would be very easy for me as a business person to be like, I don't know if I can justify giving you a raise unless you work more for me or, or generate more value this month than you did last month. But from a, you know, wanting everyone, like I want the rising tide to raise all boats perspective. I'm like, well, this machine over here, this algorithm that none of us built, like it's enriching me more. So shouldn't other people share in the spoils somewhat? And then where, where I don't know where to be is like, where do I be in the middle? Because yeah. I don't think it's necessarily fair to completely renounce the concept of ownership and be like, everyone, even if you don't have ownership in the company, has a straight up, like, you get 30% of the profit. You get 30%. Is that fair? I don't know. Well, I mean, like, what would that even do? Technically, I did build it and I put the most work into it. I would say some people are more motivated when they have to work slightly harder for it. True. And then if yeah. you if you give them what they need right up front and you're like, oh, well, this was your long-term goal, bam, that's your salary, seems fair. What if then they're like, well, everything's okay now. I don't really need to. That's true. Then, they're, then yeah. their motivation slips. Now they're not doing as much work. Now you've got to have a pretty bad conversation because giving your friends a pay cut will feel yeah. much worse than never having hired them in the first place or yeah. having to fire them. That would so, and this is a situation very that, risky. This is a, a situation that we we fortunately have not yet had to deal not with. Yet. But I know a lot of other businesses have, where it's like, I really like these people I'm working with, but the money is just not coming in anymore. What do you do then? Yeah. Like then you have to have the tough conversation. So, and I think like we've had this conversation before. Um, and I think like if you're going to work with friends, you need to have this conversation. Like, what happens if times get tough? Yeah, you, know, you need to be prepared for the fact that I may not be able to pay you anymore. And, you know, I've, I've tried to set things up in such a way where we would be able to weather that. Like, if, if the faucet got turned off today, I would be able to say, everyone on the team, I can pay you for another two months, at least. Yeah, let's fix this real fast. Yep. If we can't fix it by then, then we're going to have to go our separate ways. And, you know, best of luck, I'll do everything I can to help you. But, like, I'm, I'm, I will never, if I can help it, be like sorry there's no more money we're done you know yeah surprise <laughs> surprise you know but hey if like i don't know george clooney and brad pitt and all the other oceans 11 guys like break into my bank account steal all the money then maybe george that clooney happens wants your money. they somehow also convince congress to like defund the fdic policy so i don't get any <laughs> kind of recompense for that somehow they've, they've some been very way, thorough <laughs> incredibly thorough to wipe me out <laughs> Yeah, I stupidly put all of the business money in Bitcoin or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even if you didn't have to cut it off entirely, even if it wasn't that, and you're just like, we need pay cuts, but everybody's increased oh, their life. That's true. So yeah, their life costs cuts. now, mm-hmm. they're at the previous rate, but you're like, well, I, I can't now. Everybody needs to know pretty much ahead of time, before this decision ever happens, what are you more dedicated to? Yeah. This company or another job? Because if you got to take another job, Yep. Sure, but you should you should know that entrepreneurship is difficult and that things happen sometimes. And I guess the, I guess the one philosophy I do have there is um, the whole leaders eat last thing. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I will be the first person to take the pay cut. It's not going to be like, yeah, I, I still want to you know have all this money coming in every month, but I'm going to cut everyone else's pay. Like, 
I'm not going to do that. Yeah. The leader should eat last. And I think that's, that's a big part of either working with friends or becoming friends with people just because you're the boss man or the boss lady or whatever, a girl boss hashtag <laughs> doesn't mean that you can just be the king, right? I like the graphic, uh, you know, it's like the difference between uh, what is like difference between a, a boss and a leader or maybe it's like a king and a leader. It's like the king is like sitting on the throne that everyone else is pulling with a cart and the leader is like out in front pulling the cart with everyone. Yeah. You know, I think that's what you should strive to be if you are a leader. You should be working the hardest and not taking advantage of people. Yeah, if you want to be a king, don't hire your friends. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not going to work well for you. That's true. Maybe don't be the king over your friends. Besides royalty in the past has always had some problems with people close to them, they like murdering have. them in their sleep, etc. And I don't want to set somebody up for that. Yeah. Yeah, please don't murder me in my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just in case. Just, just in, case. in case you were thinking about that. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about uh, significant others. Because both of us yeah, have also we've, we've also both worked with our girlfriends. Muddled those worlds up as well. Mm-hmm. And you... Do you still work with your girlfriend? Do you work with your girlfriend in any context that isn't just you both work with me? Um, so I've I've hired her for some things in the past. I haven't recently. We work together on her business concept, her project, mm -hmm. uh, Made Adventurous, where she's making cool um, illustrations and prints and postcards and things. And I work with her to photograph a lot of it to build websites and do stuff. So I'm still helping her directly with that. Yeah. And then the, but that's less tricky because it's more like I'm just giving my time mm, to okay. her. I don't, I don't really care about that. I'm just being supportive in that sense. And it's less stressful, but working with you, I'm actually in a position where I'm kind I kind of have to be critical of her artwork. Actually. Yeah. You kind of manage I art her direct work for us. Yeah. I art direct her her podcast images yeah. for the YouTube thumbnails and the share graphics. And I have to be able to say, I don't I don't like how that I don't think that makes like physics sense. Mm -hmm. I think the light wouldn't go there. And she's gotta be able to either A defend it and tell me, no, actually you're wrong and here's why. Or B do it and be willing to take critique of her art and yeah. then do it and not be like Martin's being all bossy, I hate him. It's and she's done incredibly well with that. Like I don't mm. think I could offend her. It pretty much at any point giving her this kind of critique on the art. Maybe if I was just like, "This is bad. You're yeah. bad." Then maybe. But if I'm just so saying, that's a, that's a bad faith criticism. Yeah, that's just me being bad at criticizing. Mm -hmm. If if I just say, "I think this image should," actually, let's go with this idea instead. I could do an entire different idea, and she's just like, "All right, let's work together and make that work." Yeah. So she has to be willing to take criticism from me without making it feel like I'm somehow above her in any relationship sense. Mm -hmm. And I have to be willing to not be a yes man to her when it could very well hurt me to say things that might hurt her. Yeah. It feels risky to be like, I don't like that. Don't hate me. Has there ever been a time where you feel like it went too far in either direction? I don't. Maybe in the beginning, if it was, but that's too far back. I don't even remember that mm. happening. So I would assume maybe in the beginning it might have been a little weird. Yeah. But we've actually become pretty comfortable with it. It's okay. very much when we're working on business stuff, it's business. Yeah, and that's that's it. But then a different danger is that we need to make sure we do enough stuff 
that's not businessy. So mm. that we're not always working. Same True. with us. And if you we, both work at home, so it's very easy to just yeah, always work. We're, we don't want to just be roommates mm-hmm. with projects. And we don't want to just be coworkers. Yeah. That's so we still have to make an attempt to not turn every day into a business meeting, which is hard sometimes. <laughs> and you know because, our respective girlfriends because love to be like Oh, hey, we're out at a restaurant. You guys are talking about work. But <laughs> I like the work. But yeah. <laughs> so that's difficult. But we got to make sure that we don't like let the friendship dissolve without mm-hmm. us noticing because we're working because that that could very easily happen. Yeah. I think this is the thing. Like when you have a job over here and a personal life over here, there are real world things that are keeping those separate. Yeah. Your coworkers are not here when you're at home for you to talk shop, you know? So you just don't. And you have a physical difference, like you're at work or you're at home. But when you work at home and you work with friends and you hang out with friends, you have to do the work to create that separation. And that's not easy. Yeah. Either one could take over. The friendship could take over and the business fails or the business Mm -hmm. could take over and your friendship fails. And you're just like, oh, I guess we don't have any... Huh. Yeah, it's I guess been, it's been 10 years and we haven't really hung out, have we? It really is walking well, a tightrope. that's weird. Because if there was a situation where you're like, you know, one of us gets, I don't know, let's, let's say one of us gets really lazy. And I'm like, I just, I want to play video games. Well, the friend in you might be like, all right, you know, who am I to tell my friend that he can't do what he wants to do? But yeah. then you could be on the other side where you, you get like too businessy and you're like, no, you must produce yeah, I'm throwing your money games in the trash. for the engine of capitalism and I don't care about your feelings, you know, like you have to, you have to figure out where the, the fine line you must walk is. Yeah. And it's even tougher in a relationship, I think, you know, and I've been on both sides where it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's my relationship is so important that uh, I just, I won't say this, but on the other hand, sometimes, uh, and I, I think I'm very susceptible to outside influences on this. So a lot of times when I've talked to particular acquaintances of mine who are very businesslike, I will get in this mode where I become very businesslike and I can make some missteps. Um, You know, I I remember at one point um, when Anna had started working for me, like, I'm like, cool, I I have to be, you know, when I'm, when I'm working, I'm working, I have to be the manager. I have to be a little less uh, concerned with emotions and more concerned with, you know, making sure everything gets done. But I started to let that slip into personal things. Mm. So like, I think at one point, like I, we had like a shared task list. So I was like assigning Anna like regular work tasks, but I also like assigned something personal. And she's like, yeah, don't assign personal stuff. <laughs> like you're a boss. We need to have a conversation. About yeah. That. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know what? You're right. <laughs> uh, I didn't think about that, you know? So we've, we've had to have conversations where it's like, when we're talking about work stuff, sure. You're the boss. I'm working for you. But when we're not talking about work stuff, that does not exist. We're equals. Yeah. Yeah. You can't bring the same feelings from either into the other. Mm-hmm. And th- and that's just anything. You don't have to be a boss, employee or client type thing relationship. If if you get a friend hired at the at the office you work at and they're really late on something or they're part of your group and they're they're not, you know, doing their fair share or they suck up to the boss and you're like, "Oh, I hate you for this." Mm-hmm. You you might bring that home 
And that's so, so dangerous because you could be very annoyed if they're screwing up your job by not doing their work and you did all this work to get them hired. Why can't they just do this? Now your professional word means nothing. Mm -hmm. That's dangerous. I've recommended friends to jobs, but only when I was very specifically sure they would perform, perform well at that job. Yeah. And I made it clear every time. And in fact, the last time I remember specifically doing that, I was like, hey, I noticed you're short. Um, actually, if you need the help, I'll come back and work yeah. for you again. But if me coming back would reduce room for my friend, who I think would be very good at this, I'll I'll back out. I'm fine with it. I think they'd do, I'd be think they'd be more focused. Yeah. But I, I'll come back and like train them if you need that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm very willing to vouch for them only when I think it will work. You, you can't yeah. just. I won't be taking phone calls that are like, oh, you're the reference for this friend, and then lie. Mm -hmm. And actually, I didn't think about this, but the situation you just brought up is probably more common than anything we've talked about so far in this episode. Uh, I think yeah, a lot people of people, recommendations, a lot yeah. of people get asked like, Hey bro, can you put in a good word for me? Your job? I want to get hired there. And sometimes you don't think that friend would actually be good at that job. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I've seen arguments and arguments online and I've had, I've had friends who've been on the opposite side of this than me. Um, I've had friends who are like, it's your homie you need to vouch for them because they would do the same for you. Doesn't matter if you think they were good. If they would do you the put same in a good word for them. For me, then they should put that effort but, into being good at the job I'm yeah. recommending them for. So this this is something I will take a stand on. I will never put in a good word for somebody and lie about it. Yeah. Like and they don't even have to have the skills first. It's just do I trust that they will work hard to yes. learn them? Yep. Yeah, ask yourself the question, 6 months from now am I going to regret having put my word on the line? recommending this yeah. person if i can't if i can't do that i'll help you in literally any other way mm -hmm. i will help you prepare i'll look at your resume i'll do all this stuff but i'm yeah. not gonna lie because if i tear down my professional word yep. i can't help any other friends who were more worthy of the jobs i'm recommending them for in the future because yep. what if that what if it's the same company and they're like yeah well uh we didn't like the last person you sent yep so how about you never call us again huh yeah you're you're damaging your own reputation and you are enabling that person to continue living in a way that is not going to get them very far. Yeah, that's that's you know? also a different way of being harmful. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a parent who doesn't allow their children to ever lose. You know, it's like you have you have to let them experience hardship. If if you don't, they're never going to learn how to experience it. And when you're not around to protect them from it, it's going to hurt that much worse. Yeah. And they're going to have no tools to cope with it. So let them experience the tiny little bit of hardship that is you saying, nope, I can't recommend you in good faith. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or even just be like, okay, here's the thing. I know about that job, which is why I have the connection and could give a recommendation. If you can do this little side, this little quick side project, it will take you like a day mm -hmm. to do this. But if you can do this and show me that you liked it, that you did it successfully and that you cared long enough to actually do the thing I just said would be good. It's going to make you look good to them. It's going to help in the interview. And I will then trust that you're willing to put in a little effort. Like, get, <laughs> yep. you don't give even have test. to, you don't even have to make it weird and personal. Just be like, you're going to look really good if you do this first, then I'll recommend you. And I can say that you did this and it's going to sound great. Right? Yeah. So now I didn't even have to say, well, I don't trust you to so prove yourself. I just said, if you do this first, you're going to sound great when I recommend you. 
Yeah. And if they don't ever do it, well, then I'm waiting for you to do that. I want my recommendation to count. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. They're going to ask, why are you recommending them? Give me something to say. Mm-hmm. Do this real quick. Yeah, I want to make you sound good. You're my friend. He's my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, that's, that's just, not good. just he's my friend is a terrible, <laughs> that's a terrible recommendation. Give me something good to say because I want you to look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people have uh, have friends and I don't know. A lot, a lot of <laughs> I friendships. Like that by itself. <laughs> a lot of friendships are like the uh, the Shaun of the Dead friendship. <laughs> it's like you know you you can be friends with somebody even if they're not great at working, but uh, yeah, that doesn't mean you need to put your professional reputation on the line to give them a leg up when they don't deserve it. Yeah, you I know, would you need to allow them to have to work and develop. Yeah, I would literally teach my friends a new topic if they desperately, seriously wanted to learn it. Mm-hmm. But there's there's not going to be, like, free answers because then you'll just regret it later when you get fired and then I look bad and everybody's sad now. Yeah. I so, yeah. teach my friends to fish. Yes, yeah, teach your friends to fish. You don't just hand them a truckload of fish or a uh, or professional recommendation, which might be more valuable than a truckload of fish. Yeah. Do you want a truckload of fish? I, I can't recommend on, you for this depends job. Depends on the fish, though. If it's a if it's a high end tuna, take the truckload of fish. That's true. You could sell it for like one hundred and sixty five thousand. You're gonna you're gonna be fine. You don't need a job as for long a while. as you know how to sell it. All quickly. you need is one truckload of fish. Here's the secret to wealth. That's true. Yeah, that's like a million dollars potentially. Yeah, depending on how big the truck is, depending on how high quality the fish is. Yeah, sell it quick while it's fresh. He's like yellowfin right here. Or I'll recommend you for the job. But the fish, yeah, pretty clearly, good. clearly take the elephant in that in that situation, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> anyway, I feel like this this is an episode where there there are no hard answers, and there are gonna be people out there who have gone into fifty fifty partnerships and everything's been hunky dory. But yeah, I think it's a very risky thing to do. Yeah, this is really you know? just kind of we we've tried this in various scenarios. I mean, think about how long we spent talking exclusively about the pay situation. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that need to be thought through, and it's very risky. And this this is just some some of the deeper stuff. It could just be that you're really distractible yeah. when your friend's there. So you yeah. start throwing paper balls and a- airplanes at them, and they're just like, I'm trying to work. Or yeah. I can't work with Ashley usually, like in a, even just in a coffee shop sense, mm-hmm. because I want to leave locations after specific parts of work basically like I'm walking across campus to a different class and she will sit there for hours and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'll come the first time and then I'm going to leave work at home and then pick you up later. You get to work there. You don't feel like you're rushed Mm -hmm. and I don't ruin my focus. That's like simple stuff. There's just so much, so much that can go wrong here. Yeah. But clearly it can work out. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the biggest thing is you need to have candid communication you need to breach the hard topics before they really strain your relationship. Yeah. You need you should probably talk about things that may happen and consider what you're going to do before they happen. What happens if you run out of money? What happens if you know, I mean there's all kinds of questions you could bring up. If you're starting a business together, what happens if we get um an investor who wants to invest? You know, if you're 50-50, that could be that could be a friendship ender because one person could be like, that'll send us to the moon. That's the break we need. And the other person could be like, I'm philosophically against taking investment. I don't want to be beholden to somebody. I would rather bootstrap. That yeah. could be like 
you know, a huge butting heads thing. And each person feel like the way you want to go about it is ruining my life. And you, you would never think about it until it happened. Unless yeah, like you, your long-term business dreams, what yeah, do they entail? There's all kinds of stuff like that. What happens if, uh, you know, we get into an incubator or an accelerator and they want us to move to San Francisco. It's like, do you, do you want to leave home? What are your priorities? Yeah. Or am I taking the business we founded by myself and you're going to forever hate me for it because mm -hmm. it was partially your idea and you're left out in the cold. Yeah. I mean, at least the way that we work together, if I was like, if I wanted to go all Silicon Valley, bro, and move to Silicon Valley and do something weird, like you could just be like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'll just go do something else. Yeah. Or you could go with me, but it's not like, well, I'm 50% invested too. And I feel like I'm being dragged along now, you know? Yeah, because you, you might not say something about that for a while and let bitterness build up, and mm -hmm. that's no good. Or, uh, I mean, boy, the Social Network movie has a pretty good cautionary tale built into it about that. Because yeah. Mark and Eduardo were, I, I don't know if they were like actual 50-50 partners at first, but uh, it certainly looks that way in the movie. And they don't end up friends. <laughs> <laughs> and the end of that well, the money got too big yeah you know and you know you could you could say in hindsight well like one of them had very obvious character traits that was going to lead to something like that happening but when you don't have the value of hindsight and when there are certain things absent from the situation that may change how somebody behaves you may think it's all going to be fine but you often don't know what's going to happen to a person when a lot of money comes into the situation or a lot of stress comes into the situation so, yeah, I don't know. It could be volatile. Biggest thing is just, just communicate. Um, communicate, try to keep empathy in mind, but also realize that if you're working together, you are working together. Yeah. And each person needs to respect that. Cool. So this is episode 281. Pretty philosophical episode, but uh, if there are show notes, and I think there are show notes, there will at least be the link to Audible and Skillshare, where uh, at least on Audible you can get our book recommendations, and on Skillshare you can get our course recommendations. But there's probably also some other kinds of links that we could put into the show notes. I don't know. We talked for a while. So cigpodcast.com slash 281 is where the show notes live, or you can go over to cigpodcast.com. No trailing slashes, no trailing numbers. To find out how to subscribe to this podcast, we are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all those good platforms. The ethereal cloud of space, the, I don't know, reverberations of our voice are probably out there somewhere if you want to go chase them. You can probably fly it faster than the speed of sound, so you may be able to catch up to them. Then again, if this podcast is digitized and sent out as digital information, you're never going to catch it. So, Oh, no. Unless we create faster than light travel. So that there's your incentive to invent faster than light travel, to go catch up with you know, our broadcasts or whatever. Anyway, if you want to support this show, there is a rating and review feature on Apple Podcasts where you can write a rating or give us a five-star review if you think the show is worthy of that. And big thanks to you if you do. Uh, beyond that, if you want to just share the show with a friend, maybe tell them what your favorite episode is, they might become a listener as well. And I think that is all we've got for you this week. So thanks for hanging out as always, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you.